Good evening and welcome to Mets 360 here on CAST. I'm your host, Brian Jura, and I'm very pleased to be joined uh, today by a former boss of mine, uh, David Camp. He was the general manager of the Ashboro Copperheads, the summer collegiate baseball uh, league team that I work for. He hired me oh, about a decade or so ago. Uh, David has uh, a wealth of experience. Uh, he's been the uh, both a sports writer and a sports uh, editor at, at uh, numerous uh, newspapers here in the area, and he's also a lifelong Dodger fan. So we're going to talk about the, the Mets and the Dodgers uh, this afternoon. So, so, David, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, uh, Brian. Glad to uh, be with you and and. and discuss the upcoming uh, Dodgers-Mets series, and uh, looking forward to it. Should be a good one. All right, well, when we're talking about Mets and Dodgers here in 2019, it's hard for Mets fans to not think immediately about Justin Turner. The Mets had Justin Turner as a bench player and then uh, cut ties to him, and then the Dodgers hooked him up with some PEDs or, or something, <laughs> and he became like an MVP candidate. So uh, tell us about uh, Justin Turner and how he's doing this year. Well, obviously he he's been a you know a great addition uh, to the Dodgers since they acquired him a few years back. You know he didn't he kind of early on you know he kind of filled the same role that he did with the Mets. He wasn't playing every day, and then he got the opportunity I think through uh, some injuries back uh, four or five years ago to to actually get in the lineup every day, and he just uh, started producing, and they couldn't take him out of the lineup, and the rest is history as they say, and he's been one of the uh, one of the best offensive performers, uh, you know, in the National League, and especially in the clutch situations uh, for the last few years. And he's uh, he, he he had missed some games early on uh, due to injury. He got off a little bit of a slow start, but he uh, you know he's beginning to come around. He's hitting, I think he's hitting uh, around 280 right now, and he's finally hit a few home runs. He went almost a month into the season without hitting hitting a home run, and he finally did that. And I think now he's got maybe half a dozen. And, um, but he's, uh, you know, he, he's a, he's a big time player. He, he, he gets the big hits when you need him. He's the guy that if you, if you want somebody at the plate in a clutch situation for the Dodgers, that's the guy you want at the plate. No, you know, nothing, taking away, nothing away from, uh, Cody Bellinger or Corey Seager or any of the other guys that are in that lineup. Uh, when you got the guys out there on base and you need a hit to drive them in, I think Turner's a guy you, you want to have up there. So he, he's just been a great with the Dodgers. I, I don't know what uh, prompted the or what led to the turnaround, uh, just uh, playing every day and knowing that he was going to be in the lineup. And, and uh, you know, something just clicked with him, and he's, uh, he's, uh, he's an outstanding player, one of the best in the league. I made the joke earlier about having him hooked up with uh, steroids, but I think that he was actually one of the early adapters to the fly ball revolution, one of those guys who's trying to hit the ball in the air uh, every single time that he comes to the plate. And actually, if you go back and, and look at the stats, his last year with the Mets, he really started turning it on the last month or so of the season. Of course, it's, it's hard to get excited about uh, that small of a sample size, especially when the Mets had him for a couple of years and he was nothing special. But obviously something changed. The Dodgers took a chance on him and have been rewarded handsomely for it. You know, the only thing we can say is, well, he's 34, so maybe we won't right. have to, to watch him do this for too many more years. <laughs> but again, the steroids, you know, they can – Barry Bonds lasted till his mid-40s. So who knows what Turner can do. So there you go. Um, 
you know, one thing about Turner, I just uh, he he's got uh, like I said, his average is up to 282. He's only he's only got six home runs. He's only got six doubles and no triples. So he's only got 12 extra base hits out of 46, uh, 46, 48 hits. So tells me that uh, the vast majority of his hit, hits this year have been singles. RBI production down. He's only got 23 RBIs. So, uh, but he is, he, you know, he does draw a lot of base on balls. He gets hit by the pitch. I think he got hit by a pitch like five straight games a couple of weeks ago. Um, so he, he's a guy that's going to get on base for you. Uh, and and, and I, I, you know, is he going to hit 300? I, I, I probably not. But I'd say he's going to be in the between 290 and 300 before it's all said and done. And I expect to see those. Uh, that's double uh, the extra base hit. Uh, the, the slugging percentage come up a little bit uh, from what it is. It's only 429. You look at Bellinger, his is 765. So uh, he, he hasn't hit for as much power, uh, home runs or doubles, but uh, this year so far. But I, I think he's he's a guy who hasn't really gotten hot yet, and I think, I think it's going to come, and I think he will. Now – if you ask anybody around the league, any baseball fan around the league about the Dodgers, probably the first person who'll jump to mind is, is Clayton Kershaw because he's been so good for so long. Uh, certainly he went through a stretch where he was the best pitcher in the game. Uh, injuries the last few years have kind of uh, sidetracked him a little bit. But uh, tell me about how Kershaw is doing uh, this year. Well, you know, Kershaw uh, missed, uh, obviously, the first couple of starts. He got hurt, uh, not really got hurt, but he had a, he had an issue uh, early in spring training. Uh, I think the first time he actually went out and threw in spring training, he uh, he uh, felt something a little abnormal, and he uh, he had uh, I think it was shoulder related, and he took some time off in spring training. He really didn't have any spring training, uh, so to speak, and he and he he uh, I think he missed the first two or three starts uh, to the season uh, before he finally got on the mound. So you know he's in a sense he's still He's still, uh, you know, his arm is not what it would be had he had a full spring training. So, you know, you look at his numbers, uh, his numbers are, are, are not as dominant as they were. I think he's had seven starts so far. He's, he's 4-0, so that's pretty good. His ERA is, is uh, not what uh, you'd think Clay Kershaw ERA would be. You think of something under three, and his ERA is like 3.33. Now, that's nothing to sneeze at. Most folks would take that, but not uh, by his standards, not quite as impressive as it was. His uh, his strikeout number is maybe down just a little bit, just a little under a strikeout per inning, but his base on balls is still great. He's only walked, what I'm looking at the stats, he's only walked eight guys uh, in 46 innings. So, you know, it's that's still very good. His, his whip is uh, less than one. So, you know, he's still a he's still a – He's still a quality pitcher, and he's still one of the best pitchers in the game. Is he as dominant as he was, um, you know, three, four years ago? Uh, certainly not. He's lost a little bit uh, off his fastball. He's probably down, you know, three, four miles an hour on the fastball. One of the things I've noticed just in watching the games is uh, I, I, I love to see him throw that big breaking curveball. Uh, and... It doesn't seem to me, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, 
percentage of you know as far as pitches goes it doesn't seem to me that he's throwing the curveball uh, as much as he threw it when and when he was really really dominant i don't know whether he feels like he's lost a little bit off of it or uh, he's trying to he's i know he's gone to a throwing a, a slider a little bit more uh, than he did early on and, and he feels like he needed that pitch and he so he's, he's mixing that slider in but i used to love to see him throw that curveball and kind of break the hitters uh, back so to speak and I, I don't see him doing that anymore uh and uh but but you know again he's what uh 32 years old something like that 33 so you know he i think he, with the exception of a few guys like roger clemens and <laughs> a few others his uh you know his velocity is going to start to go down a little bit i think when you when he reached 30 32 years old so i think that's what uh, happened to him uh so he's not the dominant Clayton Kershaw that he once was, but he's still pretty darn good. Uh, his last outing, I know he he gave up a home run, I think, early in the game, but then he settled down and really pitched uh, impressively for like uh, six innings and just uh, was practically, you know, unhittable. Uh, but he has been prone to give up the long ball a little bit, and I know that's probably a little bit of concern to him and to the Dodgers. He's as he as he is giving up the home runs, he's that curveball maybe not quite as sharply breaking, maybe hanging it a little bit. Slider sometimes uh, uh, gets that up and, and and gets hit, so he's given up some home runs, some extra base hits uh, that he maybe didn't give up early in his career. But all in all, you know, if you got to have a guy out there on the mound, I'll take Clayton Kershaw every time. All right, now I want to ask a, a question, given your your long history of being a fan of the Dodgers, and, and it's probably a, a, an obvious question, but if, if you could quickly just compare and contrast uh, Kershaw with uh, Sandy Koufax, uh, any similarities or differences that jump immediately to your mind? Oh, boy, you know, that's, that was uh, – I was a kid uh, when uh, Koufax, he was my first – one of my first Dodger heroes, my first Dodger heroes were – Duke Snyder and Sandy Koufax, uh, and uh, in fact, I just put a new. Uh, my cousin just get he knows I was a he knows I'm a Dodger fan and a Duke Snyder fan. He just found an autographed picture of Duke Snyder uh, at a yard sale, and he just gave it to me last week, and and it's already hanging in my house. So, an autographed uh, picture of Duke Snyder. But Sandy Koufax was certainly uh, uh, when it, when I was a kid growing up was was the uh you know consummate pitcher he was the dominant pitcher in the early 1960s uh never seen anybody quite like that and haven't seen really anybody quite like that since uh his his career was brief as compared to a lot of pitchers because of the uh, arm problems that he had and retired what at a very early age what 30 31 years old he walked away from it because of the arm pain that he was having. But you just you have to wonder if he was if a Sandy Koufax would come along today, would uh, would they be able to deal with his uh, the issues that he had with his arm a little bit better, and maybe he could have pitched more years. But he was so dominant during that period of time, uh, and, and of course Kershaw was was certainly dominant his first uh, few years there uh, when he became the you know the, the so to speak the the best pitcher in the game. Um, he, he was dominant as well, but Koufax was just, uh, gosh, I don't know how to compare the two. Uh, Koufax was just such a, uh, 
he was overpowering. He is, you know, he threw, you know, I'm sure they didn't talk about it a lot back in those days about the, about the speed because they didn't have all the technology to uh, track it all. But, you know, he threw, you know, mid nineties and he had that, he had that great curve and he had the mechanics. Uh, he was such a stickler for, for mechanics and doing things the, the right way. But, you know, he's, he struggled early in his career when he first uh, signed with the Dodgers, the Brooklyn Dodgers at that time, you know, he couldn't throw it, you know, he, he couldn't hit a house with it. And then he, he, uh, uh, something clicked. He, uh, he learned how to pitch and he, he went from being a guy that couldn't throw strikes in, uh, you know, 57, 58, that period of time to, you know, 60 through what, 65 being a guy that, that, absolutely could go in and just dominate a game um i got to see him pitch one time in person i saw him pitch uh in atlanta against denny lamaster back when lamaster had his great year was the braves and it was a hot hot day much like it is here today temperature was uh in the 90s and and uh koufax uh, i was sitting out in the right center field and i remember watching him throw that curveball and just seeing it break from the outfield seats, and it just a tremendous uh, uh, one of the one of the great days of my life was seeing Sandy Koufax pitch. And he, uh, you know, I, I'd have to say, you know, Kershaw to me, uh, Koufax uh, uh, probably I give him a little bit of the edge, but certainly Kershaw is uh, besides Sandy Koufax, I would say Kershaw is the is the next greatest Dodger pitcher. I, uh, I, I'm, a, I'm an old school guy, and I, and I love Sandy Koufax, and I would I have a hard time uh, saying that Kershaw is better, but but you know he he's certainly in the in the ballpark with him, but I still give the edge to, to Sandy. Now, speaking of the Dodger pitchers, and you mentioned that Kershaw started off the year um, battling some injuries. Um, that seems to be a current theme for the Dodgers in the last, I don't know, three, four years that they've, they've had as many, maybe even more injuries uh, than the Mets have had. And the Mets have had uh, a boatload of them, but the Dodgers seem to be really focused on their starting pitchers. It seems like uh, at one point last year, I think they had five different starting pitchers on, on the then disabled list. So talk about the uh, Dodgers uh, rotations uh, and uh, the, the depth that they have and, and how they work that all. Well, you know, yeah, it has, they have used a, they, they've been blessed. have uh, been had some guys that uh, when folks have gone down, when Kershaw was out for a long period of time last year, uh, they've had some guys who step in and, 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 and be starters who, uh, Maybe were relievers early. Ross Stribling as went one who, you know, was a starter in the minors. Then he came up to the Dodgers and he found himself in the bullpen. And then everybody got hurt. He found himself as a starter and he wound up. What did he do? He made the All Star team last year as a starter. And then in the second half of the year, when Kershaw came back and everybody uh, seemed to get healthy, then lo and behold, he's back in the bullpen. So, and he, you know, he's made uh, what he, he's made eleven starts this year. I'm, Looking at the stats, and six of them have been starts. So you know he's worked out of the pen and out of the uh, uh, as a starter already this year. Now most of those starts were, were early on. He's he started in place of Kershaw uh, the first uh, few weeks of the season, the first month when Kershaw was out, and he's filled in in a couple of other times. But uh, they've been blessed with uh, some guys like Stribling who come in and throw as starters. Uh, 
Jose Urias, uh, who uh, ran obviously ran into some issues here in the last couple of weeks. Uh, not to laugh at him, it's very serious. But uh, he, he's been a starter and a reliever. They've been able to use him uh, in both roles. Um, so they have been, uh, you know, Maeda, uh, 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 Maeda has been a starter uh, so far this year. Hasn't played, hasn't pitched out of the bullpen yet. But, you know, in the playoffs last year, he wound up uh, going to the pen uh, as a reliever. So so they're, they're, they've got some versatility. And, of course, <coughs> excuse me, uh, uh, Walker Bueller. Great young pitcher. He's probably the next uh, ace of the staff, you know, if he's not already. Uh, don't want uh, Kershaw to give that up yet, but uh, Bueller has been uh, most impressive. And a young guy like him to step in uh, last year w- was huge when when they had the all the injuries that Bueller was able to come in and, and step in and really uh, come into his own. So, uh, you know, they, they, they have. They've had some versatility, uh, <coughs> excuse me again, with starters and relievers. And uh, it's been a big key to their success, no doubt. Now, that versatility that you mentioned is not just limited to the pitching staff. And the Dodgers certainly have that in their position players. And it's real interesting to me as a Mets fan because that's what the Mets are trying to do. They're trying to build up that depth and that versatility where they can take a player like Jeff McNeil and move him from second base to the outfield. Or they can take a J.D. Davis who had come up as a first baseman, third baseman, and now now they're playing him in left field. But the Dodgers... uh, beat them to that they they've been doing that for the the last few years uh max muncie i think has played uh, multiple different positions kiki hernandez uh and there's probably others as well talk a little bit about that offensive versatility yeah it, it has been a, a big plus for him uh uh I, you know a, a plus and a curse and i guess i'll cover both those obviously the plus factor is when guys have gone down injured they've been able to slide in uh last year of course uh, Seager was out, missed the whole year basically, but uh, uh, they did make the trade for Machado uh, uh, late in the season. But for most of the season, uh, Chris Taylor uh, went over there and played short. Hernandez played short a little bit. They were able to to, to hold their own, actually uh, play very well even before they got Machado because they had that uh, flexibility, that versatility uh, with some of their players. Uh, uh, Taylor is, uh, you know, he's – outstanding defensively it's short or as an outfielder Hernandez has, has done a great job at second base and in the outfield this year uh, you know Muncie play, has played first base he's also played second and probably a gamer two in the outfield and then you got Cody Bellinger who's probably could be the best defensive first baseman in the National League but he's also playing in the outfield and he's one of the best defensive outfielders in the National League. He's got a great arm. Uh, he's just a smart player. And, uh, you know, that uh, versatility uh, has certainly um, uh, been a plus for him to have a guy uh, as talented as he that can play, you know, a, a couple of different positions. Uh, Jock Peterson is, is certainly just an outfielder, but, you know, he's played center, he's played right, he's played left field. Uh, they've got guys that can, can – uh, they can play all over, no question about it, and, and it certainly has been a big factor. You know, they, they kind of bought into the to the sabermetric thing and the analytical thing and uh, in the last few years, and and they've they've kind of interchanged those parts and 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 matched up against who, who the p- opposing pitcher was and, and 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 been able to 
you know, change our lineup around. And now, to me, to me, I, I, I'm, a, I'm again, I'm a purist at heart, old school. Uh, I like to see a team that plays the guys mostly in the same spot and that mostly, uh, you know, in the same batting order. And I know at times you do want to move guys around, uh, depending maybe on who the opposing pitcher is, or give a guy a day off or so. So, you know, and I think it took the Dodgers a while, to some of the players even, to buy into that. Some were frustrated, you know, that they were in and out of the lineup. Uh, they were there's One day Bellinger might be hitting second, the next day he might be hitting sixth. And uh, that was, we were talking about, you know, last couple of years. Uh, he's settled in more this year, but but uh, it's a double-edged sword. I think there's a lot of positives to having that versatility, but there's also a little bit of a of a negative in that in that you have to you have to as a player you know you have to accept that you know one day you're going to be playing, the next day you may not, the next day you know when you do play you may be batting seventh or eighth, and then you may be batting second. Jock Peterson all of a sudden is the leadoff hitter. Jock Peterson, the leadoff hitter. Uh, four or five years ago, if you'd have said uh, Jock Peterson's going to be a, a leadoff hitter, would you have really bought into that? I don't think so. You know, leadoff hitters aren't what today what they were uh, years ago. You look for the slap hitter, the guy that could run and get on base and steal bases and, you know, bunt and all that. Well, you know, not so much anymore. There's a few of those around, but most of your, your, your classic leadoff hitter is not today what it was, uh, you know, 25 30 years ago so a lot in the game has changed uh, some i like some i don't like <laughs> talk a little bit about uh, the dodger bullpen uh in the past kenley jansen's probably been the guy that i as a mets fan i least wanted to see on the mound just because he dominated them i think he's been surpassed in the last two years by josh Hader, who's come up and just been otherworldly against the mets but i'd, I'd still put uh, Jansen high up there, but it seems like maybe he's not having quite the success uh, this year that he's had previously. What's going on here in 2019 with Jansen? Well, you know, he had the issue last year with the uh, with the heart uh, rhythm thing where his heart was out of rhythm and kind of manifest itself there when they went to Colorado and the altitude change and it, it kind of threw a scare into him, I think. And uh, he did come back and he, and he pitched pretty well. Uh, he, he's, you know, he lost something a little bit off his fastball. Um, he lost some weight in the off season this year, came in looking slim and trim and, uh, but still that velocity, I don't think has quite come back and whether or not it will come back to what it was uh, three or four years ago, you know, I don't know as you, you know, innings begin to pile up and over the course of your career and you get a little age on you, maybe it's maybe a little, uh, that once that velocity goes, it may be hard to, to recapture it. You know, he's still very good, but he doesn't throw it uh, consistently, you know, 98, you know, 97, 98, 99, like he did a few years ago. Now he's, you know, in the low 90s and maybe occasionally would hit 95. But so he's lost a little tick on his velocity. Uh, you know, he I think he's lost a little bit of a little bit of confidence. Maybe he. He, uh, he had so much great success there. He was almost unhittable there for a couple of years out of the bullpen in the ninth. Uh, you know, he'd come in and strike out three in a row or, you know, uh, throw, you know, 10 or 12 pitches and the inning would be over. And now he's struggled a little bit. He's, he's maybe lost a little edge on his control. It's not what it was uh, a couple of years ago. But, uh, you know, still, still very, if you look at his numbers right now, he's, 
He's pitched, I'm uh, looking at the stats now, he's pitched 21 and a third this year. He's only walked five, but it seems to be he's pitching from behind a little bit more. He seems to go in the deeper end of the count. He's throwing more pitches, and uh, uh, so he's not uh, he's not he's not as uh, dominant as he was. He struck out 29 in 21 innings, uh, maybe a couple of years ago. Instead of 29, that number might be, you know, 35 or 36. So uh, he, he's he's uh, he's not quite uh, the the dominant closer. He's still got 16 saves, uh, 14 saves. That's pretty darn good. But uh, ERA at, at uh, 3.80 is not uh, Kenley Jansen of, of, of two or three years ago when it was, you know, less than two. And now all of a sudden his ERA is, you know, three, you know, 3.80. So still early in the season. I mean, you know, we haven't played that many games. And 21 and a third innings is, is uh, you know, he, he, can, he can go a couple of weeks now and, and, and maybe not give up a run or so. And that ERA is going to really, really plummet when he builds innings up a little bit. But uh, – you know, I, I just think it's a combination of, of the injury thing uh, the, or not so much the injury of the health issue that he had. And maybe it scared him a little bit, little bit and uh, kind of made him think a little bit more about his own self and his own health. And and maybe maybe he's lost a little bit of that edge that he had uh, early on. But he's still very good, but uh, maybe not quite as dominant as he was. Now, Long-time uh, National League fans will always think of Dodger Stadium as uh, one of the best uh, pitching parks in the league, but it doesn't seem to be playing that way here early in 2019. What do you think is going on there? You know, that's a good question. I, I, there, there has been, a, you know, the Dodgers have hit a lot of home runs themselves. Is it because uh, they've got, you know, great hitters? Well, they've got some good long ball hitters and Bellinger and, and uh, 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 Peterson has got a lot of power, but you know they've had they've had some guys in the past that have had great power that didn't go out there and hit the home runs they've been hitting. Uh, interesting uh, theories. Listening, uh, watching a game uh, just a week or so ago, and uh, the uh, announcers were talking about uh, batting around a few ideas about why there is more home runs, not only by the Dodgers. But by other teams coming in, uh, you know, a couple. One of the interesting theories, and I'm not sure I buy into it because I obviously haven't done any scientific study on this, and I don't think anybody has, is that uh, the uh, atmosphere a little bit around L.A. has changed. You know, they've had a terrible experience over the last few years with the fires and the 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 it's you know the heat the climate change if you will uh, uh, if you want to argue about climate change or not the the temperature in LA uh, has gone up it seems uh, a few degrees and and when you had that uh, you had that uh, air out there before when maybe the ball didn't carry as well and now it's in the evening and now it's uh, uh, temperature has gone up and uh, and the ball seems to be carrying a little more. Uh, that's a, that's an interesting theory, and I, I don't know how you prove or disprove that. But uh, you know, they they did do a, a redesign, not redesign. They 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 did some uh, change in the seating a few years ago, where they they uh, moved home plate uh, out just a few feet to accommodate you know more seating there uh, behind home plate, and 
push that out a little closer to the uh, to the uh, plate. And I think it shortened the distance in center field, maybe from you know 400 or 405 down to I think 395. Is that a is that a reason? Maybe a little bit too, but uh, I don't know. That it it uh, it seems that it's not the pitcher's park that it once was, and uh, it's interesting to uh, to speculate as to why why that is. A lot of it maybe has to do with uh, there is just more home runs anywhere you go. There's more home runs. As you said, hitters are adapting or are coming in with that idea of hitting the ball in the air more. They're not slapping it on the ground. It used to be a, a ballpark where, you know, Dodgers back in the 60s and 70s had all those speed guys and they pounded out, you know, infield hits and they bunted a lot and they stole a lot of bases and they didn't really lie on the power that much. And, and the whole game has changed that way. And now teams are looking for that big inning. They're looking for the power guys and, 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 and perhaps, uh, you know, just all of that combined uh, ha- has turned it into, you know, more of a hitter's park than than it was in the in the 60s and 70s and, and even 80s. Interesting theories there. I, I don't and I don't know that I subscribe or believe in all of them or any of them, but you know, it, there's there's some reason for it. <laughs> so I'm not not quite sure which which one of those I believe. Now, we've talked quite a bit about uh, a bunch of different uh, topics relating to the Dodgers, and I feel like maybe we're I- ignoring the elephant in the room, and, and that's Cody Bellinger. And, and yes, you've, you've mentioned him a couple of times, but let's talk about him a little bit in depth. He's always been uh, an interesting guy. He was one of their top prospects, uh, had some uh, strong years, but th- this year is on just like a completely different level. He's flirting with 400. I think he's second in the league in, in home runs. And, uh, I mean, he's just having a, a remarkable season uh, up until this point. So what's different with Bellinger this year? Well, I think, to me, just in, the, in, in watching him a little bit, I think he's been a little more selective in the, uh, in, in, in the pitches he goes after. He's learned, uh, for the most part, to lay off uh, some pitches that maybe were you know, handcuffing him before, and I know in the World Series uh, uh, two years ago, uh, you know, he, he he didn't have a good series uh, against the Astros, and they and they learned how to pitch him. They threw him that in, that curveball, breaking ball inside, and and he he just couldn't lay off of it, and he couldn't get the bat on it. He couldn't you know extend and and get to it. Uh, it was out of the strike zone, and but he was chasing it. Uh, he's learned to lay off that a little bit uh, from time to time. He's gonna chase one but for the most part you know he's learned to lay off that he's uh, he's been he's just been more selective he, he's hitting he's swinging at more pitches that he can drive I think is the big thing and uh, and just being a smarter hitter all the way around uh, you know he, he's a home run hitter so he's gonna go he's gonna he's gonna you know go in a slump from time to time and he's gonna chase those pitches and and uh, uh, and, and he's going to look bad from you know time to time, but wow, I mean, so far what he's hitting, he's down below 400, and I think finally now he's around 395 or something. But you know he's been over 400. I mean, here we are almost Memorial Day, and we got a guy, you know, hitting that's been hitting 400, except for he dipped under it here within the last week. So he's cooled off a little bit, but he's still uh, you know at 394, 95 right now. He's 17 homers, 44 RBIs, uh, and, and he hasn't hit a, uh, you know, he hasn't hit 
but a couple of home runs in the last two weeks. So he's in a little bit of a slump, if you want to call it, although his average is, is still, you know, it's hard to say a guy's hitting 394, he's in a slump. But he's, uh, you know, he, he has cooled off a little bit. Uh, one thing about Bellinger, too, is that he, he, run, he not only does he have that great power, He's got great. He's got really good speed. He's probably the quickest guy on the field for the Dodgers in terms of running the bases, and and uh, you know he's their leading home run hitter and RBI guy, and he's also probably their fastest guy on the base paths. And he can he can really get from first to third in a hurry. I saw a game the other night where he hit one um, down the line in the right field, and it and it, you know it kind of got into the corner, and and he got up ahead of steam, and the next thing you know he's in with a triple. I mean he's a you know he's a big he's a big you know big guy but he can he can really run he's got uh he's leading the team in stolen bases i believe and he's only got uh seven you know that's a boy that's a you know years ago the dodgers had all those guys that would run and steal bases and you know but but they all across baseball now the stolen base is not as it's not what it was not utilized like it was years ago but so he's leading the team with seven but still you know he's leading the team with seven stolen bases, uh, his strikeouts are down. I think uh, a little bit too. Uh, uh, if you look at uh, Muncie, uh, Muncie's got uh, ten home runs, and he's hitting uh, 270, but he struck out 48 times. And and Cody Bellinger, with uh, pretty much the same number of at bats, has only struck out 29 times. So that's uh, you know, he's putting the bat on the ball more, making contact more. And, uh, he's not going to hit 390 this year. But I think he's certainly capable of, of, of hitting, you know, around 320, 325 and, you know, hitting 35 home runs or more and, and driving in 100 runs. And, and, and that's pretty good <laughs> if you can do that. Batting average doesn't have the luster it had certainly when, when I was growing up, uh, when used to follow who all of the, uh, the leaders were and those big things that they would print in the Sunday papers. But <laughs> Bellinger hitting 394, it's kind of hard to, to ignore that. Um, I know that Tommy Davis won the batting title for the, the Dodgers in the early 60s before he broke his ankle. Uh, have they had somebody um, win the batting title since Tommy Davis did it back then? And what was it, 61 or 62? Oh, boy, that's a good question. Uh, you're, you're testing me here. Huh? Um, I can't think of one. Uh, you know, I can't think of one. Uh, not saying there hasn't been one, but but nobody really jumps out at me as, uh, as uh, having – done that uh, and especially in in recent memories as soon as we finish today i'm going to go look that up but I, I don't believe i don't believe they have um uh they've had some guys hit you know over 300 but i don't think anybody's actually won the won the batting title uh tommy davis you know what a great name i i still have great memories of of tommy davis uh in the early 60s of the dodger that's when i was a just a mere kid and i used to follow him and uh just he was he was one of my favorites he was a he was a guy that could uh that could pretty much do it all great hitter and and uh brings back a lot of fond memories mentioning tommy davis's name and tommy davis of course uh spent a a year with the mets Mets. so he did uh, he fits in well with uh, our little segment here (laughs) well we have reached the crazy prediction time of the show and uh, what I'll do oh, is I'll give you a crazy prediction, and then I'll ask okay. you to comment on it. Tell me whether or not you think it's crazy. 
Okay. And then after that, I'll ask you to give me a crazy prediction of your own. Okay. So you ready? All right. Yeah. All right. So my crazy prediction is that the last three years, the Dodgers have taken the Mets behind the woodshed. <laughs> they've won the they won the season series um, all three years. Uh, I think they've played 20 games, and the Mets have won five. So the Dodgers have pretty much dominated. And it's not just – and the one loss really doesn't do it justice all by itself. I mean, some of those games have been like 19-3, you know, that, that type of – I mean, it, it's, been, it's been a beating. So my crazy prediction is that the Mets are going to win the season series from the Dodgers here in 2019. So tell me, how crazy is that? Uh, pretty crazy. <laughs> uh, pretty crazy you know I, I, first of all how many times have they played you know uh it's either six or seven and, uh, i think here uh recently they've played seven uh i don't know if they have them on kind of a rotational yeah. basis or yeah. not but they'll play a series in los angeles that they're going to do this right. this coming time and then they'll they'll come back to uh, city field and, and play a, a series there well i will tell you this i think if if they're playing four games in LA here, and uh, the Dodgers are, are um, the Dodgers are throwing uh, Kershaw. Uh, they're throwing... we own that guy. <laughs> Kershaw and Degrom are going on the opener. Uh, Hill and uh, Matt's the second game. I think Hill. Bueller... That guy can't get out of the third <laughs> inning. Bueller and Syndergaard. And Bueller, Syndergaard. wasn't he in a movie? Yeah. He's not a baseball player. Yeah, and Rayu and uh, Vargas in the uh, in the fourth game. So the Rayu's Dodgers the only one pretty... we got to worry about. We yeah, own the, the other yeah, ones. Yeah, he, you know, we didn't talk about him. He's thrown, what, how many shutout innings in a row? The Mets got a chance to maybe break that. But uh, if Our the best Met... hope is he goes on the on the injured list before the, the before he starts. <laughs> Isn't that's he always true. getting hurt? He, he, he seems to, yes. Here's my Here's my response to that. The, the, the four games uh, coming up, if the Mets win three of the four, then your prediction may come true. May. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's really going out on a limb. But with the guys the Dodgers got starting, uh, and especially if they win that first game with Kershaw throwing, then, uh, then you know, I think they're going to win three. And uh, then, then your, your – uh, your prediction will be uh, sawdust. I don't think it's gonna. I don't think it's gonna come to pass. But if you win three, you you may you may be right. You may be right. But I think you're crazy anyway. So. All right. So um, I don't know if if uh, you actually made a, a a declaration or not. So do you think that, uh, do you think it's crazy? Crazy. Crazy. All right. So I go out on a limb and say, crazy. all right. So, so, so now you've got to, you, you, you see where the bar is set. So you've <laughs> got to, yes. you've got to reach something similar. So yes. give, give me yours. Well, my, mine doesn't really, uh, you know, have, uh, my, mine's not a Dodger Mets thing. Mine's more of a general baseball, uh, prediction. Um, you know, you know, Rich Hill went, you know, over the hill, so to speak, and off the hill. Uh, the other night when he got really just ripped out of the frame because the Dodgers went into a shift and the guy uh, for the for Tampa uh, bunted to an empty third base side uh, for a hit. It turned out it didn't really factor into the game. Uh, he left, and then the bullpen that we talked about a little bit ago that, that has, has been so up and down just absolutely 
fell apart and they got beat eight to one. But it, it was one to one at the time, and they shifted over, and the guy bunted into the open third base hole, and Rich Hill just had, absolutely had a conniption on the mound and and uttered some things which we couldn't repeat uh, on this show and and on any show uh, for that matter, except maybe Howard Stern. But uh, anyway, uh, my prediction has to do with the shift. I think that uh, within the next uh, within the next three years, the 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 ba- Major League Baseball and they've already uh, they've already there are already some experiments going on at the uh, I think in one of the independent leagues that the Major League Baseball is going t- to at least experiment one year with uh, Defensive alignment with regard to the shift. Uh, you know, in football, you've got linemen that have to line up in a certain place. You can only have so many down linemen, and you can only you have to have so many men on the line of scrimmage and all this kind of stuff. So I think Major League Baseball is going to really uh, take a look at this, and I think they're going to uh, I think they're going to do something with the shift. They're not going to allow teams to play all their defensive players on one side of of the bag. And, it, and, you know, you see that, and it's mostly against left-handed hitters. Uh, you rarely ever see them shift over to the third base, you know, to on the other side of the bag. It's always uh, from second, between second and first, you know. Uh, so, but I think they're going to outlaw that. That's my crazy prediction. I think they're going to at least experiment with it one year and say, Okay, you can't do that this year, and see how much it impacts the game. I know there's a lot of there's a lot of thinking that uh, uh, what, what was it? Somebody on the air was it Darling or or Schmoltz or somebody that one of the former pitchers that's one of the analysis said that he thought the analyst said that he thought that the shift was ruining the game. So I don't know if I'd take it that far, but I think it is. Have an impact, and as a, as as I've said for the third time, as an old school baseball guy, I don't like it. So that's my crazy prediction. Well, John and what, and what is, do you think? John Smoltz is likely the guy who said it, since he's the 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 king yeah. of the get off my lawn <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. brand of analysts out there. And it, it's unfortunate because I do think that that Smoltz is good on television, and I think he has a lot to offer. But he's just got to get off that high horse that he's on about, you know, this is there's only one way to do things and it's my way or the highway. And it's just it it's to the point where if I see that he's broadcasting, I, I turn the volume off. Can't listen to him. Um, but what do I think? I, I've got two uh, different um, takes on what you said. One is that I think it's idiotic. I, I think the idea that you legislate something like that, I think that's where you let the game find its its uh equilibrium mm-hmm. and we've seen it this year or certainly in in the games that i've seen we've seen guys consciously try to hit the ball the other way or bunt against it and i think that that's how you do it i mean if people are successful enough uh going using one of those two tactics then teams will have no choice but to move their fielders back but the reason that teams employ the shift is because the data shows that it works. Mm-hmm. And the announcers from Smoltz on down, they'll scream bloody blue murder if uh, a ball is hit to a place where a fielder used to be for the previous hundred years, but isn't there now. But 
the flip side of that is when they do shift and the guy hits a rocket right to the shifted fielder, they never <laughs> ever mention, wow, the, the shift <laughs> saved a hit there. So it, it's really selective memory of the, of the people of, of Smoltz and, and that ilk. Um, so to me, well, I, I, think it's, I think it's idiotic to, to, for the powers that be to legislate it. But I think that the commissioner is looking for a way to like create a legacy, if you will. Uh And I think the commissioner is one of the leading proponents of, of this type of thing of banning the shift. Uh And so that way I, no, I don't think it's, I don't think it's crazy because I think it's something that the commissioner is seriously considering just because he wants to say, well, I was the one who did it. And again, I think that's moronic. Well, we'll see. We'll have to see how it goes at the at the lower levels with the experiments they're making uh, with the I think the Atlantic League, uh, which we have a team in our area in the Atlantic League. So maybe you and I can make a trip up there one night and and, and just see how it goes. They're also experimenting with some other things in that league. I think uh, they're going to experiment with the uh, with the virtual umpire, aren't they? At some point in the year where they let the uh, yes. strike call, call the balls and strike. So. Uh, That'll be they're interesting already, to see how that goes. They're already doing the one with the the shift. They have a a uh, like a hash mark on the field, and you have to have two infielders on either side of the the hash mark. But the automated strike zone is not going to be until the second half of the season. Okay. I don't know yeah. if the the technology wasn't ready or if they were still working out how they were going to relay it to the umpires. I, I haven't heard why, but it wasn't going to be until the second half of the season. But to me, that's that is a huge thing that needs to be uh, undertaken because if you watch any number of games, you see night after night after night pitches being missed by the umpires. And I don't think it's a case of the umpires not trying. I think that we're asking umpires to do something that, quite frankly, human beings aren't well-equipped to do. I think the umpires do a remarkable job getting as many calls as they do right but I think they get too many wrong to be acceptable in this day and age. It was one thing when we didn't have the technology, but now we have the technology. Right. You know, the balls and strikes thing, they put the little box up there, and and uh, when they didn't do that, even on a close pitch, you know, you might say, oh, that looked like a strike, but, but there wasn't a big brouhaha over it. Now that you've put the box on the screen every time, every single time one is out of the box, it makes you start thinking, well, wow, you know, how many calls are they missing? So I think it's part of it. It's just kind of a <clears throat> it gets in your mind, you know. But I don't know that they're missing as many as they any more than they were years ago. You just didn't see the box up there all the time, so you weren't real aware of it. Now, now the uh, the plays at first base. I know in a game here recently, uh, some poor guy had like three straight calls <laughs> overturned at first base. Uh, one he called out was safe. One he called safe was out. And uh, so you know those. Uh, those a uh, little more glaring but the balls and strikes thing that's that's pretty tough because that thing's coming in there at you know 90 90 anywhere from 90 to 100 miles an hour on the most part and you're you know if it's right on the black on the plate that's a tough call sometimes you know and so so i can i i can forgive them for those little missing the corners sometimes and 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 balls and strikes uh but the plays at the bases you know it's it's good the replay is certainly great for that so uh you know we've uh so we've turned this discussion of the uh, of the shift into a discussion of the instant replay. So, <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, it's all baseball and it, it's all important. Um, now, um, one of the things that um, 
you know, any baseball fan is, is aware of rivalries and, you know, people will always talk about Yankees and Red Sox because that's the one that ESPN promotes so heavily. But to me, one of the, the biggest rivals rivalries in the games is Dodgers Giants, just because it, it, it's been around for so long and, and it, it moved 3000 miles when they, they moved from, from New York to California. And it's fascinating to me how that's been kept up all of these years. But if you look just in the last three or four years or so, the Dodgers have really taken a dominant position. Uh, the Giants had a stretch earlier in this decade where they, they, they did quite well, but they, they seemingly got old overnight and uh, they just haven't been very good the past few years. And this year it's even worse. They're in, they're in last place. And it doesn't look like it's going to get better anytime soon. So you got the Dodgers in first and the Giants in last. And how does that how does that affect the rivalry? I mean, would you go so far as to say the rivalry's over? And no. uh, you know, you got a team uh, who's also close to the Dodgers and, and the Padres, who who are one of the most young, exciting teams around, and they're yeah. currently in second place. Do you think that uh, you know we're going to see a shift from Dodgers Giants to Dodgers Padres? Uh, well, n- no, I really don't. E- even though you know San Diego and Los Angeles being much closer together than uh, than San Francisco and, and and LA, you'd think that'd be the natural thing. But I think the Padres got to they got to win something first. They just can't be a better team and all of a sudden, oh, now that, now they're our rivals. I think they've got to win. You know, they got to win some division titles. They got to win a pennant or something like that, and and and, and be a real factor in the in the race. And maybe that'll be this year. We'll see time will tell but uh no i don't i think the giants are still going to be you know there's this like the north carolina duke thing here in our part of the country there there's been years over over the years where you know carolina was down in the early 2000s when they uh after smith and guthridge left and and they didn't do very well for a few years but but now it's as strong as it ever was it's great uh, the rivalry didn't go away. It just took a little vacation for a year or two, and and but it never really went away. And I think that's the way the Giants and the Dodgers will be. And I, you know, there's been times too when the Giants were up and the Dodgers were down uh, that uh, they love to play uh, spoiler, you know, for one another. I know there's been years when the Dodgers have gone up to San Francisco uh, late in the year and uh, and been in a race and uh, and the Giants may be a you know, second division team or under 500 and, and just, you know, just, just beat them to death. And so, you know, uh, I, I don't think it, no, I don't think it's going to go away. The Giants are a little bit down right now, but you know, they're, they'll be back and, and it's always Giants, Dodgers, just like Red Sox and Yankees. Think about it over the years. I mean, the Red Sox had many years. I know during my, you know, youth, the Red Sox weren't very good and, and that was still a great rivalry. And then, then the Yankees had some years there where, where they weren't winning, and uh, it's still Yankees and, and Red Sox uh, came back. And, and, and you know, I, I don't think that's uh, the end of the rivalry. So, so I just think it's a it's a little blip on the radar, but I don't think it in any way, shape, or form will end it. And as far as San Diego does uh, goes, I think, uh, like I said, they need to win a pennant or something, or win some at least win the West for for a few years before before that will be a, 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 even a thought that they're going to, you know, supplant the, the, uh, the, uh, giants as the Dodgers biggest rivals, rivals. Just, just don't think it's going to happen. Fair enough. 
All right. Well, I've got one more question for you, and okay. uh, this guy Wait is on. way too young to be on the on the Giants. <laughs> um, but uh, Corey Seager, uh, a couple years ago, it seemed like he was going to take the leap and and be the next uh, superstar out there in L.A. But then he got hurt last year, missed uh, virtually the entire year. Uh, I think he's healthy this year, but he's he's not doing well at all. Uh, what's the story with their 25-year-old shortstop? Well, you know, I I, I think it's I think he's just uh, he's not a hundred percent. I think I think that he's he's back and he's playing, and he and he seems to be you know he hasn't been injured and he's played in uh, you know most of the games. Let's see, he's he's been in uh, you know forty. Uh, yeah, he's played in almost every game this year. He's only hitting two thirty one, which is certainly you know you think he's a guy that's going to hit <clears throat> at least you know two eighty two eighty five or if not three hundred. And you know, hit you about, you know, 25 home runs and drive in, you know, 90 runs or so. And and uh, he he he's not certainly not on that pace right now. I, th- I think it's more of an injury thing. I think uh, I just don't think he he missed a whole year. I think his timing is still a little bit off. I just don't think he's uh, you know, I I'd be surprised if he at some point this year he doesn't begin to pick it up. You know, is he going to come close to hitting 300 or e- even 285? I don't know. He's probably. He's probably looking at a, a good year for him this year after having missed a whole season with maybe, you know, to hit around 270 and to maybe hit 20 home runs and drive in, you know, 70 runs or something. And then we'll see what he does next year. But I, I think it's a, I think it's just, a, you know, having missed a whole season, I just don't think he is quite back all the way, even though physically he may feel 100%. The doctors may say he's 100%. I think, you know, mentally and everything, I think he's – He's still not, uh, he's not 100% there yet. And, you know, my gosh, you know, I'm sure he would beg to differ that. And, and he may be right. But I, just from a, looking at, from afar, I, I, I just think that he's, that he's not, uh, he's not totally back from the injury yet. So I'm a little bit concerned, yes, that he's not, that he's not put up better numbers. But, but if we get past, uh, July, 4th of July and he's still, hitting 230 then you know i'll be a little more concerned but uh i think we just got you know to get again be patient with him give him a little more time he's played very well at shortstop so you know that part of his game is still good and he still helps the helps the team and i look for him to to to, to get in a little bit of an offensive groove like i said is he going to hit 300 probably not but if he can hit to 270 uh he, he's still going to help him in the long run so i I'm not really alarmed yet, although he he is certainly lagging behind where I would hoped he would have been at this point. All right, I lied. I got one more question for you. Okay, lay it on. It's a a quick hitter, yes or no type question. Um, Right now, I think it's the the Dodgers and the Cubs fighting it out for the best record in the National League. Will the Dodgers end the the year with the best record in the National League? Uh, Yes, I think they will. Oh, on on uh, on terms of surprising, that, that that one shocked me so much. I think I'm going to fall over and have a heart attack. Well, uh, David, thanks so much for for joining us here on uh, on such short notice. Uh, really appreciate you uh, dropping by and and uh, talking to us about uh, the Dodgers and uh, look forward to the to the Mets and Dodgers uh, uh, upcoming series. But well, I'll probably be singing a different tune in uh, you know uh, a- after it's over and the, well, the Dodgers have won four games by a combined seventy-five to three. Score. No, I don't think that's going to happen. You know, one last thing I want to say is you mentioned the Giants and the Dodgers and 
and uh, I, I've always uh, had this, uh, uh, I guess, kind of the uh, nostalgic uh, feel about baseball and nostalgic. I looked at it in a nostalgic sense because I remember I'm old enough to remember when the Dodgers moved to Los Angeles, and and I know that the Giants and the Dodgers moved in the same year, and uh, after 1957 season, and and uh, somebody asked me one time, you know, if you could go back in time, uh, get in a time machine and go back, where, where would you want to go back to? And, and I would want to go back to 1954 and five and be in New York City and and go to Giants and Dodger games and and you know, in the in, uh, polo grounds and in in, in uh, Ebbets Field, that would be a to me. That's the you know that's that's still the Giants and the Dodgers and and uh, in my mind that that that's why I don't believe that rivalry will ever go away. So just just an just an old person looking at <laughs> at dreaming of their youth and and fantasizing about being at Ebbets Field and in the polo grounds and watching the Giants and the Dodgers play. Well, if it's any consolation, Mets owner Fred Wilpon built a ballpark trying to recreate Ebbets Field. So you yes, can always is. take a, a trip up there uh, whenever the, the Dodgers go to, to visit uh, New York. And uh, maybe uh, maybe that's as close as to uh, that nostalgic trip that you can actually go on in real life. I think so. Well, I've enjoyed it, Brian. Thank you very much. Uh, and uh, we'll see you soon, David. And uh, uh, we won't hear it now because I'll add it to the mix later. But Trent, take us home. Good night, everyone, and goodbye. All right.